Hello, and welcome to Unfolding the Word. Thanks for joining me today as we continue to work our way through God's Word, verse by verse, understanding the things that God has taken the trouble to share with us, and through His Holy Spirit make available to us in the written Word of God. We've been in the midst of an extended study of First John. We're in the fifth chapter now, and I want to pick up our reading today in verses 16 and 17. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin that not leading to death, he shall ask and God will give him life. To those who commit sins that do not lead to death, there is sin that leads to death. I do not say that one should pray for that. All wrongdoing is sin, but there is sin that does not lead to death. The context of our verses today and preceding verses, 14 and 15, have been talking to us about God's great promise about answers to prayer. How as children of God, because of our repentance and faith in the gospel, we've been adopted into the very family of God, and God as a loving Father gives us approach to Him. We can boldly come into His presence and share our concerns, knowing that He hears us, knowing that He cares. We can speak confidently with him. And we saw yesterday that his great promise to us as his children is that he will always answer prayer in accordance with his will. In other words, all that God does will be in accordance with his will, a will rooted in his goodness, his faithfulness, his righteousness, his justice. In other words, God will always answer prayer properly for you and I as his children. Now today, as we build on the issues about prayer, we turn attention to an issue of God's disciplinary hand in the life of his redeemed children. We've already seen earlier in the book about the reality that we can, even as redeemed children of God, stumble. We can sin. In fact, Chapter 1 begins by saying we need to admit to God and we need to admit ourselves that even as redeemed children, we still stumble, we still sin. Then 1 John 1, 9 gave us that great promise. If we will acknowledge our sin, confess it, admit it before God, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And we went on into the second chapter to discover that the reason that can happen, that we can in fact be forgiven, is because Jesus Christ is the propitiation for our sin. And he ever lives to intercede for us. He is our advocate with the Father. Let's move back to the point I already made, though, that the fact of the matter is you and I, as children of God, can still stumble in our, in our day-to-day walk. And the thing that we're supposed to do once we've stumbled is to say, is come before God and admit our sin. Accept it, repent, turn from it, and receive that appropriating of forgiveness, and then move forward in the service of the Lord. But the fact of the matter is, at times, redeemed children of God not only sin, but refuse to repent of it, refuse to confess it to the Lord. And as such, because of that stumbling leads to other stumblings, and it's also displeasing to God, the effect of an unconfessed sin, undealt with sin, is that we grow increasingly hard and distant from God. And God, our Heavenly Father, takes on a very personal role in the discipline of his children. Discipline in the sense of 
child training. He's very interested in molding us and building us as his redeemed children. If we will not deal with sin properly once we've stumbled into it, God will act to discipline us, to do what's necessary to correct us, to get us back in the right path again. All of this is rooted in this wonderful fact that God loves us as his redeemed children enough to discipline us. One of the outcomes of salvation, as I've stressed often with you, is that we have been adopted as the children of God. Now we've been adopted into his very family. And God now treats us as his redeemed children, as a heavenly father. Not merely, or not only, as the creator God in charge of this world, but as our heavenly father. And as a father, as a loving father, he cares about us, he provides for us, he protects us, and as we saw in the preceding verses, he hears us and answers prayer in accordance with his will. I mean, there's many wonderful, wonderful benefits of being a child of God, the eternal benefits, things that are truly ours. But God is also telling us, because he is our father, he takes that role seriously enough to discipline us if we need it. God is a disciplining God with his redeemed children. This fact about God is part of seeing God as the scriptures reveal him. One of the great struggles for all of mankind is idolatry. They have a view of God in their mind that's not a biblically based view. It's something they would like God to be. And I've found over the years, maybe in my own life, but certainly in the lives of interacting with other people, that people are not always happy with what the Bible reveals to them about the God who is really there. They'll often say, well, that's not how I see God. But the fact of the matter is that's who God is. And one of the things that is important for us to accept is that God is a loving father. And he will deal with us as his redeemed children like a loving father. Classic passage that picks up on that reality is found back in Hebrews chapter 12. And I want to read that to you because it's con it ties to the context of these verses, often puzzling verses, in 1 John chapter 5. Listen to these words as we encounter them in Hebrews chapter 12, beginning in verse 5. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, or be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves, and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God's treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you're illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who discipline us, and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good, that we may share in his holiness. For the moment all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who've been trained by it. Do you see that amazing verse? God is saying to us in Hebrews 12 and other places that as our loving Heavenly Father, 
adopting us as his children, he takes his role as father seriously. He is involved in disciplining us as an expression of his love. Now, let's understand that word discipline is the same idea of child training. He takes seriously the child training process. It's not talking merely about punishment. In fact, that's the reality here. He's saying, I do will do those things necessary to yield the peaceable fruit of righteousness in your life, to help you mature, to help you grow, just as a good parent does the child training that the child doesn't always appreciate while they're growing up so that they grow up properly, mature, well-trained. God loves us enough to discipline us. Let me quickly add this note today, too, before we leave the passage and come back to it and expand on it more tomorrow. Understand this promise of discipline, child training from the scriptures here that God makes to his redeemed children is only for his redeemed children. God is not involved in such disciplined child training with those who are not his redeemed children. Oh, he's involved in their lives, but only in the sense of a judge, in the sense of a holy God who deals in punishment and judgment on those who have not turned to the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. It is only his redeemed children that are situated under his supervising, disciplining, loving disciplining hand. Such discipline, such child training is proof of the Father's love for us. It's proof of our true adoption into his family. Now let me speak most of a little bit right now about his purpose in this child training, in this discipline. His purpose is to mold us in holiness, to help us move forward into the peaceable fruit of righteousness through that training, as Hebrews 12 put it. God's purpose in disciplining in my life and in your life, child training in my life and your life, as we are not handling sin properly, is not to make us atone for our sin. It's not to make us do some sort of penance for our wrongdoing. Oh no, we serve one who is already the propitiation for our sins. Now the purpose is not penitential. The purpose is not atoning. The purpose is training. God is trying to bring us to our senses. And as he does that, his discipline will take different forms. Join me tomorrow as we continue to look at these verses, talking about the different forms in which God's discipline takes. God bless you.